He's a God of integrity. His word is sure. His promises are authentic. His word is truth. We are also confident in his ability to do what he said that he would do. And so this morning, we open the word in our series text, Ephesians chapter 3. The title of the message this morning is called Activating the Promises of God. Say that with me. Activating the Promises of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, either side. I'd like you to read it out loud with me, please, if you would. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. Now, we took time and read the whole context of Ephesians 3 last Sunday, so we're not going to do that again today. Everything that we do is free on the net, uh, on, on our website. I would encourage you to jump into your app store for your phone, uh, whether you're an Apple guy or an Android, whatever. Uh, the Victory app is free, and so you can watch. Pastor Jeremy navigates all that. He made some changes this week that I haven't even talked to him, but it's really cool. I like it. You don't have to pull up YouTube now, but it just is a thing that says watch. So it's really cool to be able to see uh, the messages right there on your phone. So it's he works in us and he will accomplish all this. Let's begin at he. Here we go. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now, those are new, fresh words from the Passion Translation. Let me give you something that's more familiar. The King James says it this way. Now unto him who is able. Everybody say able. Everybody say God is able. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. So the Passion Translation takes that and kind of explodes it into uh, a superlative degree to saying God will outdo your most unbelievable dream, exceeds your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Our message text is Mark chapter 11. This one is applying to what I'm going to be preaching to you this morning. Um, I have two points if time permits, a third one. If not, then we'll grab that next Sunday because we're in a series. It's easy just to, to tack it on next Sunday. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 26. Reading from the Passion Translation, just read silently along with me. The Bible says, Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. Listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to the mountain, everybody say says. Someone says to the mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes, everybody say believes, that's a critical word, and believes that which he says will happen, say it, it will be done. Next verse, this is the reason I urge you to boldly, say it again, believe for whatever you ask for in prayer, be, say it, convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. Two more verses. Whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him. Everybody say release him. Release him and forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, everybody got some. Verse 26, but if you will not release forgiveness, don't expect your Father in heaven to release you 
from your misdeeds. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to stand and speak and declare the word of the Lord. Thank you for this service today. Thank you for lifelong friends. Thank you for relationships that were born of you. Thank you, Lord, for brothers and sisters in this room who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The promise of God is that we will be filled. We look to you. We're hungry for you. We, we ask, oh God, that you would be Lord over every area of our lives. That you would show us a clear picture of our next step, everyone in this room, to understand what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That our minds might be renewed by the proving of what that will is. God, we ask you today that you would just remind us of how great Jesus is, how desperate we are. God, thank you that you bring us together with his greatness. Lord, we are weak, but he is strong. Lord, we're sinful, but he is holy. We acknowledge our great need for you, and we ask you in the name of Jesus, in that matchless name, that you would be lifted up and glorified in this place, that you would touch and transform hearts. Lord, that there would be a moment in this service where everyone in this room would have an opportunity to see you with a fresh perspective, their hearts and eyes be lifted up, in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. One thing I want to bring today, one thing, it's like a repeating chorus in a song that we sing. The one thing in this message is this. Say it with me. God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. It's three things. Get it real quick. God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. It's tide is rising. Come on, help me. God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. Once more, like you really mean it, everybody. God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. If I've learned anything in my life, in my 50 years, my, my family tells me they're all gone. They're a part of the the church triumphant. They're in the grandstands of heaven. My mom told me that when I was two years old that I knelt and prayed in my grandfather's house and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really don't have any recollection of that. I know that when I was nine that I truly trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and my life was radically changed. I went home that night and my parents asked me, they're all sitting on the couch and I'm in the chair, almost kind of in the hot seat, and they said, how do you feel? And with tears, as a nine-year-old, I said, I don't understand it. I feel so clean inside. And I, I said, and you know, like a nine-year-old had a whole huge list of sins that he could be able to, you know what I mean? But yet, I, I used this analogy. I said, I feel like because my brother and his wife had, had just had a little baby, and when they would come and stay with us, Ray would use the bottle brush to clean out the gunk from the dried milk inside the, the bottle. And I said, I feel like a brush has just gone down inside of me and just cleaned me out. That's how I described it. Because I was, there was a freshness. There was something that had lifted off of me. There was something that I knew that had come inside me, that, made, that had animated my life, that had that empowered me and strengthened me, even in the simplicity of a nine-year-old's understanding. I knew that I had encountered God. I knew that I had met the Holy Spirit. 
And I've grown up in a home that always kept prayer at the center. Uh, whether we were in the mood or not, we would always say grace at the table and the kids would grow up repeating those different versions of it. I remember Dewey and I as little boys playing in the backyard of my grandfather's house at 138 Pecan Street in Mark Tree, Arkansas. And we'd be out playing cars in the dirt and it would be the end of, uh, of the visit and mom and dad and we would have to drive back from Mark Tree to West Memphis and they would, mom would stick her head out the door and say, come on in, let's pray. And Dewey and I were playing. We didn't want to pray. Are you kidding? What, y'all go ahead. We don't, you don't need us. Just keep, go ahead. No, we're going to wait on you. And so they'd wait, and so we'd get in there. And I remember those times as a little boy, well before nine. I remember, I remember three and four years old holding hands and sensing something that was so powerful and so dramatic in terms of God's ability, God who showed up, God who, God who actually liked me. Uh, God who actually uh, blessed my life by, by, by giving me a moment to sense his greatness and his goodness and his presence. Somebody say amen. So this morning, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27. It's not on your, the screen. Just listen. The Bible says, this message came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? A very simple question, and I want to pose that to you this morning, very much like a rhetorical question that does not require an answer, but it's just for thought-provoking. It's just meditative. It's contemplative. It is, it is something to ask me. It's to remind me and to ask you, is there anything that you can bring before God that he can't fix? Is there any situation that is so far gone that God can't bring it back and restore it? Is there any circumstance that is, that is a conundrum, that is, that is so intertwined, an enigma? Is there something that is a puzzle that is so great? Is there something that is a, a knot that is so tight that, that the Holy Spirit can't get in between that and loosen that and bring freedom from the bondage? Is there an addiction so great that Jesus can't set you free? Is there a relationship so broken that Jesus can't heal? Is there a disease that is so powerful that the healing hand of Jesus can't touch and transform it? I think every one of those questions is an obvious rhetorical, nothing needs to be said. No. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Everybody answer together in unison. No. Absolutely not. Nothing is too difficult for God. He's he is the being. He is the creator. He is the one, the intelligent designer of every aspect, down to a cellular level, out to a, uh, out to a ga- galactic level. I'm making a cosmic prophetic declaration this morning that Jesus Christ is Lord over the universe, known and unknown. It's all His. It's by His power that everything is held together, Colossians says. It's by Him that all things consist. He is the glue that holds your body together in function and the systems operating. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. I'll quote the great prophetess Diana Ross when she said, Ain't no mountain high enough. There's no valley low enough. There's no river that's so wide that can keep you away from God's love this morning. There is no mountain. There is no difficult circumstance. 
Now, I, I teach all the time, and I bring this thing down. We, we, we settle down, and we, we, we bring things on a very basic level, but I just wanted to start this year to encourage you and inject some hope and stir up your faith. Come on, somebody. What are we saying this morning? God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. We learned last week that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. We learned that we get it by getting into the word, by committing to the word, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There are mountains that appear before us. There are obstacles that we can't climb. There are circumstances that we can't figure out, knots that we can't untie, so to speak. But the scripture gives us this promise that if we will look to that mountain and we will speak to it, if we will say to the mountain, King James says, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and doubt not in your heart. But believe those things which you say. The scripture says it will come to pass. This says, having no doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Everybody say, it will be done. So nothing is too hard for the Lord. Point number one, just be encouraged that there is no situation where you are too far gone that God can't reach you. No person on the planet is so lost that the blood of Jesus can't reach and transform their lives. There's no set of choices that you've made that will put you out so distant from God that he can't, with his arm, reach and save you, deliver you, set you free, redeem you, forgive you, establish you in the kingdom of God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Point number two, not going to be long today. Engage your voice activation. Engage voice activation. A few years ago, Drew decided that I needed Alexa in my life. <laughs> Alexa is a woman that vexes me sometimes. <laughs> Alexa is the female voice of the Amazon Echo. And so he gave me the first one. And then, actually, now I have one in every room in my house. It's, it's cool. Now, they're not all like the big one. I've got a really good big one, a new generation upstairs. And in my office, and I'll say, Alexa, read Ephesians 3 to me. And I'll sit there and listen as the scripture is read. Alexa, play Yeba. By the way, every time you play, she gets a little bit of... Some, she gets a little coin, okay? <laughs> and just remember, every bit she gets, she's tithing. Let's just believe God and play, pay this church off. The album she's on with Ed Sheeran went platinum this week. I don't know if you heard about that, but that's pretty cool. Engage your voice activation. I got a new vehicle about a year and a half ago. I bought it from the Murphy, Keith. Uh, down at uh, the Ford dealership and uh, got a Ford Explorer and I wanted a sport. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted something that had a little bit of power to it because when I want to go, I like to be able to go and, and move. And uh, so it came with some stuff that I didn't even realize. And so I'm, I'm, I remember standing in this pulpit making fun of folks who had heated steering wheels a few years ago. And I have a heated steering wheel now. 
And I said, who needs a heated steering wheel? But you know, when you have it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and so I'm talking to this thing now, and I'm saying, uh, not Alexa, but Siri, because it's tied to my Apple phone. Siri, call Pastor Jeremy. Home or cell? Call him on his cell. And so I'm doing all of this in conversation, riding down the highway, and it's so amazing in this time that we live in that so many things can be carried out just at a vocal command. I can turn lights on in my house by saying, Alexa, dim the lights. Alexa, because that same year for Christmas, he bought me the Alexa Echo, and for my birthday, he bought me that really cool Nest thermostat. And so I've got my Nest thermostat tied to my Alexa, and I say, Alexa, turn it up two degrees. And I don't even get out of my chair. I'm doing all of this with my voice, with this right here, with my mouth. I speak things, and they come to pass. Are you hearing me? Now, if man in technology can give us the ability to make systems work together so that when you speak it and you vocally activate a system to, to move into place, Alexa, dim the lights. Alexa, turn the, the air conditioner on down two degrees. And, and it's just the coolest thing to be able to just speak with my voice and then my whole environment begins to change by the words that are coming out of my mouth. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So I want to say to you, engage your voice activation. This is not something that is an aberrant teaching. I know folks have taken it in the years past and run off headlong into craziness, you know, just trying to believe for ridiculous things. But when there's an obstacle, when there's a mountain in your way, and you're a kingdom man, you're a woman of God, you're a person of faith, the scripture says, when you come to that mountain, don't stand there and curse the mountain, but talk to it. Speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain. Begin to activate the promises of God through vocal command. It says, say to the mountain. Listen to the ESV, the English Standard Translation, or English Standard Version of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul the Apostle is quoting from the psalmist, David, who says... He says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. I believed, so I spoke. Say it with me. I believed, so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. The apostle Paul says, the spirit of faith is to believe it in your heart, but that's not enough. You can believe things in your heart and never see them come to pass because you have to vocally activate the promises of God. Believe it in your heart. Speak it with your mouth. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Jesus moved the mountain of death through his resurrection. Jesus moved the mountain of blindness in one man by the name of Bartimaeus, and he said to him, your faith has made you well. Your faith has given you sight. Mark chapter 5, a little woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, drains her savings account, paying doctors who never helped her a bit. She goes into public and reaches out, speaks with her mouth, and says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. 
In a crowd all around him, Jesus said, who touched me, the disciples indignated indignation, with indignation, said, are you kidding us, Lord? Everybody's touching you. The whole place wants to touch you. He said, no, this was a different kind of touch. It was a touch of faith because I felt virtue go out of me. And he looked and he saw a trembling woman and he said, woman, your faith has made you well. Your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith. We need some crazy faith. We need to believe in our hearts, but therefore we speak. We speak and declare the word of the Lord. This is the promise of God concerning our salvation. This is how we begin our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can believe in your heart that Jesus is a Savior. You can believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You can even believe that he is your Savior and your Lord. But the Scripture says, until you call on the name of the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you believe it in your heart. You speak it with your mouth. Say it with me. I believe, therefore I speak. Now what are we saying? What's our one thing? God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. Second Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that the promises of God all are yes in Christ. Christ has come. The Bible is filled from Genesis to Revelation with promises that pertain to every area of your life, your calling, your destiny, your past, your present, your future. The promises of God that relate to everything that you need, everything that you desire to see fulfilled in your life, promises of God are there. The scripture says in 2 Peter that these great and precious promises, that by them we are made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We are partakers of the very nature of God through these great and precious promises. They are, yes, 2 Corinthians 1, in Christ. And it says, and so by the church we arise and say amen to the glory of God. Jesus says yes to all the promises that are yours, but you have to arise and with your mouth vocally activate the promises of God and say amen. Everybody say amen. What does amen mean? So be it. It reminds me of the little 15-year-old virgin by the name of Mary who's visited by Gabriel in he says, the spirit of the highest shall come upon thee and overshadow thee. And you're going to bring forth a son and he will be the son of the highest. The holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the son of the highest. And she says, how can this be since I know not a man? He said, baby, that's exactly how it's going to be. It's going to not be. A man's not going to have anything to do with it. And he finishes the declaration, the prophetic cosmic declaration of the coming Messiah. And she says these words. Be it unto me according to your word. Everybody say, so be it. So you know what? It's one thing to know the promises of God, to understand them, to believe them in your heart. It's something else to speak them with your mouth. Jesus has said, yes, we have to say amen. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, so be it. God's promises are available. God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? I'm, I'm just about finished. Just hang with me. I, uh, I want you to look back one more time, if you would please, with me, if you would put the text up there for the last time. And let's begin in verse 24. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe 
for whatever you ask for in prayer. Now, I want you to see the tenses. Be convinced. What tense is that? Past. That you have received it. What tense is that? And it will be yours. What is that? Future. And this is amazing. So when you pray, you pray and you believe that God's promise has already guaranteed you. You have the certainty. You have a guarantee through the blood of Jesus, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the promise of God to you is yes. And so you arise to the glory of God and say, amen, so be it. And he says, if you're convinced, if you are past tense, understanding that this is yours and you believe that God has given it to you, you have received it, then guess what? It's on the way. It's, God's going to do that one day drop ship. I, I, I get those Amazon uh, reminders all the time. If you order this in the next six hours and 53 minutes, it will be at your doorstep tomorrow. How many of you know power is able, prayer is able to work even greater than Jeff Bezos? If you believe it, you believe you have received it and it will be yours. Whatever your mountain is, Zachariah says, speak grace to it. Grace, grace. Speak the grace of God to your mountain, whatever your obstacle is. And look at this. He urged you, he says, I urge you to boldly believe for whatever you ask in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it and it will be yours. I'm not going to take time to get this last point, but I just want to read the scripture and let it be, let it be said. We can pray all day long, but there are hindrances that can hold us back. And these are the ones that I want you to see. Verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him. Everybody say that. Release him. Release him and forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. Verse 26, and we're finished this morning. But, everybody say but. But if you will not release forgiveness... Don't expect. You pray all day long, pray to you blue in the face. You can fast for days. You can speak the promises all you want to, but there's a hindrance blocking it. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear my prayer. There are things that can block the promises of God from coming to pass. If I'm carrying unforgiveness in my heart against a brother or sister, the Bible says, let it go, release it. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Let me tell you something. It's not your fault what happened to you, but from that moment forward, your getting healed from it is your responsibility. By the, but let me just tell you this. You're holding it over their heads, not doing anything to them. They've forgotten about what happened to you 20 years ago in the ninth grade. You need to let it go. You need to release it because it's got you tied up. It's put you in a prison. And when we can't release and let people go and, and, and let the freedom that comes to us, it will hinder our prayers and keep us from manifesting the promises of God in our lives. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. I don't want anything that's going to steal my peace and rob my joy. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Give the Lord praise. God is able. His promises are available. My faith is renewable. Did you get anything out of that this morning? Put your hands together. Hallelujah. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for Jesus. Thank you that if anyone ever had the right to be offended because of having been done wrong, it's our Savior. Lord, he endured the opposition of sinful men. Lord, the accusation that was not true 
Lord, bruised and beaten and striped, smitten of God and afflicted, we esteemed him so. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you endured and went through for me, for my brothers and sisters. Lord, for the elderly, Lord, for the, for the youngster, for the yet unborn. Lord, everyone in this room, thank you that we are at a moment in time that is so powerful. Mountains are before each and every one of us. Help us, Lord, to arise and speak to that mountain. If you've never crossed the line of faith and surrendered to Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, the mountain that is in front of you right now is the mountain of sin. It's a mountain of debt to a holy God. The scripture says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, Christ died for us at just the right time, it says in the Greek. This morning, there's not anything that you can do that I can do to earn or deserve the favor of God, the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, if I keep doing what I've been doing, I'll keep getting what I've been getting. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. That's what I earn is that right there. But the gift of God, everybody say the gift. It's free. He gives it to us. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I've already preached to you the last point of that Romans road. And it says this, that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and we speak it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says we will be saved. Very simply today, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you'd like to be prayed for today, if you're at that crossroad, if you're standing in front of a mountain and you would say, Pastor, you have no idea. My life is so jacked up. It is so messed up. I can't, I don't know whether I'm going or coming. I don't know what's happening in my life. I need Jesus to help me. You're in an amazing place for God to show up and show out in your life. And I want you to know he loves you. He's crazy about you. I say this jokingly, but I mean it. If God had a refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be on it. That's how crazy about you he is. He loves you. And he loved you so much that he sent the most precious thing he had, and that was his son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place, to die for you, to pay the penalty for your sins and for mine. God can move the mountain out of the way and blow it into the sea if you'll just speak by faith these words this morning. If that's you today and you're ready to cross that line of faith, would you slip your hand up? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking. Slip your hand up in this room. Yes, thank you for pointing it out in the back. I see. Anyone else? Anyone else in this room? Yes, there's another one. All right, I want you, if you would, today, if anybody, if you've been encouraged, you already know the Lord, you're walking with the Lord, you know that your home is in heaven but there's something that is stirred in your heart today to activate the promises of God and begin to order the words that are coming out of your mouth. If the Lord's convicted you in that area and you'd like for prayer, would you slip your hand up? Anybody? Yes, several around the room. Let's pray right now. Everybody, I want you, let's join our hearts with those who lifted their hands to say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Everybody in the room. Father, thank you for this word. I stand upon your promise. I turn to you. I turn from my past. I repent. I believe, Lord, that you died for me. Jesus, save me. I trust you. Forgive my sins. Change my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Come on, somebody. Amen. Thank you, Pastor.